Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the uh, Svarm Chatter podcast. On this episode of the podcast, we'll be joined by Professor Joseph Davis, who is the uh, professor of Jewish thought at Gratz College. And he is the author of the biography, he says, Yom Tov Lippmann Heller, Portrait of a 17th Century Rabbi through uh, the Lippmann Library of Jewish Civilization. So, and we'll be talking about, obviously, the Taisus Yom Tov, Rabbi Yom Tov Lippmann Heller. So with that, uh, Professor Davis, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. So uh, I want to start off uh, just to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your uh, background. Um, about myself, I teach at Gratz College, which is a uh, old Jewish college in Philadelphia. Now we're mostly online. Um, and I've been here, I don't know, 25 years, something like that. Um, uh, I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, I, uh, what should I tell you about myself? Um, I studied, uh, this is worth saying, right? I, I studied at Harvard. I studied with Professor Tversky. I think you've had uh, several of, uh, of the Tversky-ites on, on this, uh, in, in this podcast. And uh, yeah, so, so I studied with Rabbi Tversky uh, there. And that's where I got my PhD. Yeah, we had a couple uh, on who uh, spoke about him and different stories about him. So yeah, we didn't uh, didn't have any in a while, but yeah, we did have a bunch, like you said. Um, one thing I did think the listeners would be interested in knowing is that I, you have a pretty famous grandfather. I don't know if you want to tell the audience who that is and talk to talk about him a little bit. My my grandfather was Louis Finkelstein. He was the head of conservative Judaism in America uh, in the '40s and '50s and '60s for about 30 years. Um, at the time when conservative Judaism was the largest uh, Jewish movement in America. So he was, he was one of the leading figures in, in Jewish life uh, for a generation. And he was also a Jewish scholar. Um, he uh, wrote a book about the Pharisees. He wrote a biography of, of Rabbi Akiva, um, which is a wonderful book, although uh, whether, whether it's all true, I don't know, but, uh, but, 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 but it's a wonderful book. Um, I wrote, wrote a commentary on the Sifra, many different works. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so, so that was my grandfather. I grew up in the conservative movement. Uh, I said that I studied with, with Professor Tversky. I also studied with Professor Neusner when I was an undergraduate. I went to Brown as an undergraduate. I think I'm the only person who studied with both Neusner and Tversky. Uh, it's an odd combination because they were very, very different people. Um, this, as scholars and as, as individuals. Um, but, uh, but, but I learned a great deal from each one. So, so that's interesting. So were you drawn to Jewish history? Is this something that you got from your grandfather? Is this something that you grew up with? Or how, were you, how did you end up being drawn to Jewish history? Yeah, no, I, I've wanted to be a historian since I was like eight. Um, I've never wanted to be anything else. I mean, you know, after I want, before that, I suppose I wanted to be a spy or something like that. I don't know, but right. And I was playing with GI Joes, but uh, but but from some very very young age, I was interested in history. Um, and <laughs> wait a minute, I'll tell you something. When I was uh, when I was seven years old or eight years old, I don't remember. Um, my grandfather asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I said I want a history of France. Um, and he went, or he got his secretary to go to the to the. Um, to the bookstore in, in New York, and they got me a history of France. It was this huge thing, or it was like a folio volume of uh, illustrated history. 
all in French. I couldn't read a word of it. Um, but I looked at the pictures over and over and I said, boy, you know, this is fascinating pictures. Um, fascinating stuff. And, uh, and I, you know, around the same time as when I was drawn in within history to the 1600s. And I've stayed in the 1600s ever since. 1600s is, you know, is, is a period that just fascinates me, always has. Um, and then somewhat later in life, I, I, I moved into Jewish history. Um, I started out in French history um, in college and then, uh, and, and then on the account of Neusner and then on the account of different things, I, 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 on the account of my grandfather, I moved into Jewish history still in the 1600s. And obviously your, your book, we said, is the Taisi Yamtif, and that's uh, your dissertation, was about the Taisi Yamtif. So w- what was it that attracted you to Taisi Yamtif? Was it just you were looking for someone in the 17th century? Was it a particular attraction connection there? There, there, there are different things. Um, one, is, one is Prague. I mean, Prague is interesting. Prague is important. Um, in the 1600s, Prague was the largest Jewish community in Christian lands. There were, there, uh, uh, Istanbul was larger and then, and possibly Salonika, and then uh, Prague, but, but Istanbul and, and Salonika were under Muslim rule. Um, so in Christian Europe, Prague is the place, and it's a fascinating community. There's so many interesting people there. David Gans is there, uh, Maharal is there, there are a bunch of, uh, the Kliyakar is there, um, uh, the Shla is there. Um, lots, again, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a whole community. And then Heller, Heller is, is, uh, is, is one of the fascinating characters who, who, who is there. And, and I got drawn into him, um, partly because <laughs> I mean, this is, today's Thanksgiving. Um, we're, we're, right, we're taping this on Thanksgiving, so, so it's, it's a Thanksgiving story. Uh, so also, again, when I was in high school, uh, the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the assistant rabbi at the time of, of my parents' shul was a, a rabbi named uh, Alvin Kaunfer, and, and, and his wife was named Marsha, Marsha Kaunfer, Marsha Lapidus Kaunfer. And, and we were there just before Thanksgiving or just after Thanksgiving. Anyway, they were explaining why they don't have turkey on Thanksgiving. So why don't they have turkey? And the answer is, on the Lapidus family, right, in Marsha's family, uh, in the Lapidus family, we have a tradition. We have an oral tradition that turkey is not a kosher bird. Why not? Because in the 1600s, right, 300, 400 years ago, um, somebody came to our ancestor, the Tosfus Yantuf. Right? There, there are lots of descendants of the Tosfus Yantuf. I'm sure some of your listeners are descendants of the Tosfus. Are you possibly? Um, you're not? Many, many people are. Um, Ali Bizel, all kinds of people. Um, so yes, so, so the Lapiduses were descended from the Tosfus Yontov, and they had a, a tradition that, that somebody had once brought him a turkey and said, is this a kosher bird? And he looked at it and, and the, the turkey, right? Every, everybody knows the turkey is, a, is an American animal. It's like the llama or the potato, and the potato is not an animal, but, uh, but uh, you know, tobacco, all of these things that they found in the new world. So, so it was a new question, it was a new Shaila, right? There's this thing which sort of looks like a chicken, but it isn't really, it's much bigger. Um, is it kosher? And he said, no, it's treif. And ever since then, this is the right, this is the legend. Ever since then, the, the this family has never um, uh, eaten turkey, and that's why they don't have turkey on Thanksgiving. Um, so the, the, um, I, I was much more inclined to believe the story then than I am now. I would say, having studied the man now, I I, I, I don't think it's a very likely story, but but 
but it, but it shows in a certain way that he's he's living in an interesting time and, and he's an interesting character and also that just the, the, that it's it's remarkable um, that people know that they're descended from him that's that's not true of everybody in the 1600s by any means how, how do you explain that that so many people is it just are they, are they just claiming it or do they really know they really say well, that's 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 the other part of the story um is that he ensured that all of his descendants would keep it in mind because he because because he he made a a custom for them to have a uh, uh to have a, a fast and to have a, a big celebration a fast day of celebration and to tell his story his story of how he was put in prison and how he uh, was released from prison and he wrote it all up and 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 they still do uh, you know i've been to these celebrations um, where the where the family or members of the family get together and they and and they they have a little shindig and they uh, and they tell the story. So yeah, I'm sure we'll get there. So I think we just started at the beginning. So why don't we talk about uh, his his? Like I said he has an autobiography called Megillah Seva, but why don't you say over what you you know his 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 uh, basic life story? Yeah. So so part of what makes him uh, interesting to write about, but also I must say easy to write about is he tells us a lot about himself. There's so many of the Gedolim. I mean, honestly, there's so many Gedolim about whom we know so little, right? And we just have their safer. We don't know anything about their life. It's very, very common. Um, or we know, you know, we know like three facts about their life, right? We know they were born here and they died there and, 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 and you know, their wife was named Pearl or, 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 or whatever. Um, Maharal, we know very little about his life. Um, Heller, we know a great deal because he tells us. He wrote a whole autobiography. Um, and the main part of it, it has different parts, but the main part um, is the story of how he was uh, put in prison. And then he was held in prison uh, for, I forget, for more than a month. Um, and then and the Jewish community lobbied on his behalf and he was released, but he had to, he was, he was then the chief rabbi of Prague and he had to leave town. That was part of the deal. He had to pay a fine. Um, a very substantial fine, and uh, and he couldn't be the chief rabbi there anymore. Um, so he tells the whole story. He tells the whole story of how he was, uh, he was he was just you know the way he tells it. He was just minding his own business, and then comes the imperial judge and says uh, to him, uh, "Dear rabbi, I've, I've bad news for you. Right, right. You have to. You, you, uh, there's there's a warrant out for your arrest." Um, and uh, I mean, he, he, he writes it much later. He, he, there's a whole second part. Also, he, he had to leave Prague. He went to uh, what was then Poland. Uh, he was the rabbi in a town called Nemirov, which is actually now in Ukraine, then part of Poland. Um, and he was there in Nemirov in Ukraine for a number of years. And then he was the rabbi in Krakow, which was the largest community in Poland at the time, the capital of Poland. Um, and he was there during Tachtat in 1648 during the massacres. Um, and he wrote, he doesn't mention the massacres in the autobiography, so he must have written it just before that. He mentions that the last scene in, is, is, is a, it's a lovely scene actually, it's when he's inaugurated. He has a whole, uh, a whole I don't know what we call it, a sort of a coronation or an inauguration as the, uh, as the chief rabbi of, of Krakow. That's the end of the story. Um, and as I said, the main part of the story is, is a whole very detailed discussion of how he was uh, put under arrest in Prague and then how he was uh, held in prison in Vienna and then the whole negotiations until he left. 
And he, and he asked himself, why was I, right, why did this happen? Right, it's called Megillas, Eva, Eva is, is right, enmity or hatred. And he blames it, but, but I would too. And again, as a historian, I think this is you know, a very accurate perception. Uh, he blames it on the, on the hatred within the community. Um, Prague, as I said, was a, was a large community, uh, but it was also a very factionalized community, a very bitterly factionalized. Um, they, they had, which was, I think, unique in the Jewish communities, in the Jewish world at the time, certainly very rare, probably unique, an actual party system. There were two parties within the community. Um, and they ran different slates for the, for the officers in the Kila, for who would, who, would, who would run, who would be in charge of the taxes, uh, who would be in, in, in charge of hiring and firing and hiring rabbis and so on. And he was, he was, the, he was part of, he was the, he was the appointee um, of, of one of the factions. Uh, and he was denounced by the other faction um, as part of the, just, uh, just as, as part of the internal struggles of, 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 of the community. Um, they, they didn't play nice. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think one could probably imagine it today, but it doesn't happen that much. So, um, I, I know we already uh, we said a lot of this, and that's the main point. That's the part everyone knows of his life. But I'm curious. Um, I think we should maybe pull back a second, tell the listeners wh- when was he born, and I know we're going backwards here. And and also, like who who did who did he who did he learn under, and mm. that kind of absolutely. Thing. Um, yeah. So so or maybe we should start actually with his farm. Again, he's he's famous in in different ways. He's famous for his family because they keep up his 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 fame, but also because uh, he wrote the Tosfos Yantav. Uh, which is a commentary to Mishnayos. And um, if you have studied Mishnayos, you might or might not have used the Tosfos Yantav, but you've certainly seen it there because it's the one that's opposite on the page, uh, on, on the other side from the Bart Nura. Um, and it's been printed many, 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 many times. It was already famous in his own lifetime. Um, it was a bestseller as, 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 soon as, it hit the, uh, as soon as it hit the bookshops. Um, and then he wrote uh, also also some some number of other works. He wrote a work called Madane Melech, Madane Madane Yontov, um, goes under two names, um, uh, which is in the Vilna Shas. It's it's a it's a commentary to the to or super commentary to the Rosh. Right, the Rosh has a uh, has a commentary on on Shas, which is uh, which again is in the back of the Vilna Shas and uh, and and Madane Yontov is on. Part of it's on it's on some of the Masechta, but it's on Bracha, for example, um, and Chulin and, and, and some others. Um, so those are his two works. He, he was a he was a major poisek in his in his generation. And Tosfosiantiv, I guess I say, has just is, is has just is just one of the most popular books in you know in all of Jewish history. Um, so who did he study with? Hang on. You asked that. That's good. Um, when was he born? He was born in the 1570s, so he's just a little bit younger than uh, than Shakespeare, but he lived longer. Um, um, uh, he studied with his study with is a is, is a problem. He studied first apparently with his grandfather. He grew up in a little little town, not even a town, a village uh, called Wallerstein, Wallerstein, um, uh, which is in southern Germany. 
Um, and that, and that, that was a place that's so small that surely didn't have a yeshiva, it probably didn't have a school. Um, maybe it had a school, maybe it had a cheder. Um, and he studied with his, with his grandfather, who was some kind of a Talmud Chacham. And then he went to yeshiva, and they call it a yeshiva. Um, he, he, he refers to uh, a certain Rabbi Ginsburg, from the Ginsburg family, sure, but, but not, you know, not a gadol. Uh, not not anybody we know anything about at all. And, and you know, for all I know about him, you know, a great Talmud Chacham, but he didn't write anything, and, and we know nothing about him. Um, and a yeshiva, I mean, in those days, a yeshiva, you know, if you had one student and you studied Gemara with him, then that's a tutor. And if you had two students and you studied Gemara, that's a yeshiva, right? Um, and they would meet, in, you know, they would live in your house. Um, I mean, the Ramah had students who lived in his house. It wasn't that they were yeshiva building. The idea of a yeshiva building is, is not until the 19th century, even the 20th century. Um, they would meet in, in, you know, he would live with him in his house. And that's who he studied with. And then he went to Prague, he got married. Um, he married a, a, a girl from Prague from a, from a wealthy family, kind of an offshoot of the Horowitz family the famous Harwood's family that everybody knows, right? Um, and, and then, and that's where Maharal found him and kind of took him under his wing. He's a protege of the Maharal, but he's a student. It depends a little bit on what you mean by a student, uh, but he's a protege. He's a, Maharal is his mentor, um, not necessarily his Rebbe exactly, but, but very much his, his mentor. Maharal was the dominant figure in the, in the community at the time when, when, when Heller was, just just moving in, he was the boy from this little town. He moves to the big city, um, and he's kind of an ilui, and people are impressed by him. He knows shas like nobody, you know? um, and uh, and they make him a dayan. They give him a job of uh, being a dayan at a very young age, um, and and Maharal, so to speak, is his boss. Um, I was going to jump in before, and then like you said Madani Melech, Madani Yamtiv, but one of the other same uh, series is Papul Harifta, also that he wrote on the Rush, that, that he's famous for. I was just going to say that. Um, right. He, he, he gave different parts of the commentary, different names. What was his relationship with, I'm just curious, he's around, what was his relationship with the Kliakar and the Rephaim of Lunchitz, and also did he have a, with the Shla, the two other famous uh, figures in, in, in Prague? What was, did he have a relationship with them, or not really? Mm. With the Kliakar, I couldn't find any, 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 any connection very much. I mean, he's there. Um, one thing that I think you know, he might have gotten from the Kliakar, he wrote, Heller wrote, well, he probably wrote many different drasha, many sermons. Um, we, we, we have two that he wrote out. Um, and they're very well done. They're actually right. He's, 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 he's an excellent preacher. I mean, he says this of himself, actually. He's very proud of it. Um, uh, but, but, but it's true. Uh, he, he, he does that. And, and he might have, I mean, he learned, that that's a trade you learn, right? It's how to give a drasha like that. Um, and he learned it, no doubt, from Maharal, because he mentions that he listened to, to Maharal's drasha. Um, but uh, but possibly also the Kliakar, who was who was one of the best preachers, you know, of, of, of the time. That's why he was brought. Kliakar was not from Prague; he was from Poland, and they brought him there 
because he had because he had such a reputation as a preacher. Um, the Shla is a whole different thing. The Shla, if I were writing the book again today, I wrote it, you know, almost 20 years ago. So I've had a little time to think about <laughs> what I got wrong. And other people have told me also what I got wrong. Um, so one thing that I think I would, I would write differently is, is I would put, I put a little bit of emphasis, but I would put much more emphasis now on, on just the contrast between Heller and the Shla. They're there in Prague at the same time. Um, they're davening in the same shul. They both daven, uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain they both daven in the Pinkas shul, um, which if you ever go to Prague, the Pinkas shul is, is not the Altnai shul, which is the big one. It's the, it's the one with all of the names of the uh, Holocaust victims on the wall. Still there. Um, and at the time it was the private shul of the Horowitz family. Um, so I expected the Shla Davin there because he was from the Horowitz family. And I know that, uh, that, that Heller Davin there because he was married into the family. So there they are in the same shul. And, and, and they have such different approaches to Judaism. That's the thing. Um, they really, really do. Um, and, and I think that in, in a certain way, again, you could tell the story very differently than I did. Or very different than I would, and, and focus in on uh, on Heller's relationship with Maral, who's his teacher, and he has a complicated relationship with him, as people do with with their mentors and with with, with great people in the generation before. But but I think he also has has a not a very complicated. I don't think it's a complicated relationship with 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 uh, with, with the Shla. I think they're just rivals. Um, it's it's a very simple relationship in a certain way, and the Shla wins. Uh, that's the thing. Heller is interesting, but, but, but he's interesting because he lost. Um, he lost on, on two big issues in Jewish life at the time. Uh, and, and one of them is, is certainly still a big issue. Um, one was the, uh, the Shulchan Aruch. Um, the question is whether the Shulchan Aruch should be, should, should be the, the, base, the baseline sock for all questions if you want to know what to do, if you want to know, you know, how to daven Lusaf, you look up in the Shulchan Aruch, and then that tells you. And then you can kind of work around, you know, this, this, this or that, if, there, if there's some question of, of, of what it means, or there's some, some special issue, but, but that's what you do first. Um, and Maharal was against that, and Heller was against that. He didn't want people to make Psaq that way. He wanted, make, he wanted people to, to, to make Psaq from, from Shas. Um, that if you didn't know Shas, you shouldn't you shouldn't be a Poisek. Right? That was that's basically if you if you don't if you don't know where 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 it says in Shas what you should do for Musaf, then what are you what are you doing giving Psak and uh, and and go to somebody who does know, um, or look it up. Um, and you know, what's this business of going to the Shulchan Aruch? What's what's that? Who's 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 this Israelis? I mean, you know, he's a god, it's fine, but. Uh, why him specially? Um, and this was the shita of, uh, of Maharal. Before that, there was a shita of Marshal, Solomon Luria in Poland. Um, and, and then Heller. And that lost out. Uh, I mean, Shulchan Aruch became, you know, became the authoritative text, uh, partly on account of the Shlag. The Shlag gives it a boost. And he says, all Ashkenazi Jews follow the, follow the, follow the Ramah. That's, you know, it's done. We're, we're done. 
uh, you know, it's been certified and 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 uh, and stamped by the governor, and and and, and everything. We're done. Um, and 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 that's in fact more or less what happened in the generation after after that after after the middle of the 1600s. Um, so that's the Shochanach. The other issue, which is the one that really kind of, I mean, you asked how I became interested in Heller, and, and this is kind of really the answer. The answer is like this: that the main, if you if, you, if you're not talking about psak, if you're talking about hashkafa, right? If you're talking about kind of what Judaism means and how you think about the world and how you think about Hashem and such. Um, the main argument, the main debate in Judaism in the Middle Ages and one of the main debates in our own age, um, and it's still with us and you can trace it back <clears throat> before Rambam, but it's the debate between Rambam and his opponents between a rationalistic approach to Judaism, uh, which tries to play down miracles and tries to play down differences uh, between Jews and non-Jews, um, and, uh, and, and has trouble with, with literalism and, 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 and uh, values science, values science. That's one approach. And then since since Rambam's own day, he's been controversial, and there were a series of controversies in the Middle Ages, um, and in Heller's day, and ever since, um, of people who took an, an, an opposite approach and don't want you to study, didn't want you to study science, and didn't believe that science was uh, very helpful in understanding Torah, uh, and uh, who uh, want to play up miracles and think that, uh, that all of life is miraculous or something like this, different versions of it. Um, and in his generation, and particularly in Prague, which again is again the central community, um, this, this issue came up again. Uh, there is a sort of a Maimonidean controversy of a certain kind um, in Prague, first in the 1500s, and then again, another one in the early 1600s. Um, and Heller is on the Rambam side. Heller wants to study uh, science, particularly wants to study astronomy. He does a study of astronomy. Uh, Prague was one of the centers of astronomy at the time, which is perhaps kind of related. Uh, Kepler was there, um, Brahe was there. Um, it's where, where, modern, where modern astronomy got, its, uh, got, got going was, was partly in Prague. Galileo, but also also Kepler. Um, just you know, credit where credit is due. Right, right. Who's Kepler? Kepler is the guy who figured out that uh, the, the 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 planets uh, move in ellipses. Uh, so that was pretty smart. Um, anyway, Heller's there at the same time. I I've, I worked so hard to see whether they ever met, and I can get them almost the same place at the same time. It was, it's, it's, it's actually relevant uh, in, in a way. It was during a pandemic. Um, in the old days during a pandemic, if you were caught in the city, you were dead. Um, that was a terrible thing to have happen to you. And if you had any kind of wealth or, or, or stechel, you would run away into the villages, which was healthier. Um, that's, that's where you could shelter in place, was in the villages. 
so different from today, right? Um, it's a little bit scary, actually, right? You know, I, I spent part of my life studying plague because it's such a big thing in Heller's life. Um, and it comes up over and over in his life. Uh, and here I am, right, finally, God sheltering in place. And I mean, it's just it's a thing that I'd only read about. And they did in the 1600s. I, I did not think I was ever going to do it myself, you know? Um, God almighty, things to be yeah. expert. Did they have plague masks? I know some, some of the plague, they had masks. Um, they might have. They, I mean, they, 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 had a, a, they didn't know about germs, but they knew about infection. Um, and, they, and they blamed things on bad air. They had the concept of bad air. Um, so, you know, so they, 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 they shut things down. He was once in Vienna and, and, and the Jews were not allowed out of their houses for, for I forget, for a month. Um, when he was, he was rabbi in Vienna briefly in the 1620s. Anyway, um, where was it? Ah, right, right. So, 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 so he and Kepler, I think, were in the same village. Um, they had both left town. And, 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 and they were there just down the street from each other. I, I don't know if you ever met him. Whether he met him or not, he, he thought that it was important to study astronomy. And the schla is at the other side of this. The schla doesn't, doesn't want people to study philosophy or science at all. And he says so. He says very clearly, right? He brings down a whole series of, uh, of, of precedents of rabbis before him, of the, the Rashban and, and many others. Um, and, and, and the, the, the Balai Tosva, um, who he thinks were, were against studying philosophy. He, sh he thought you should study Kabbalah. Rabbi Shlav is a huge Makubal. And, and he won that one too. Um, the Jews in Prague, the Jews in the Ashkenazi Jews stopped studying uh, philosophy for a hundred years uh, after the Shlav. Whether it's on account of the Shlav, this I don't know. Uh, but he was certainly one of the or, or one, one, one of the main figures who was who was making that argument in that generation. And I think this is one thing that I didn't know when I wrote the book, and I'm not absolutely sure about it yet. And I, 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 you know, I haven't worked on Heller in a while, and 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 I haven't I haven't done quite the research. Maybe some of your readers might might know about it. Um, I think that when he went into Shul, you could see who was on which side. How? Um, because the Schlaf thinks that when you wear a talus, it should have an atara, right? it should have a collar. It has to have a collar. It has to, but it's a hitter. Right? It's, a, it's, it's, it's a Kabbalistic thing. He thinks it has, you know, the Arizal thinks that there are reasons why you should have a, um, uh, uh, why, why, why your talus should have a, an atara. And, uh, and the Tassar thinks that you shouldn't have a, a an atara. Again, I don't mean that he can't it, or if you wore, if it had an atara, it'd be possible. I don't think he thinks that, but 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 he doesn't think of, of it as a good thing. He thinks that a basic uh, talus doesn't have a an atara. That's not how you make it. Um, right? It's got the black and white lines, and there's different stuff on, with with with, with a talus. To be clear, we're not talking about yeah. a silver, the silver atara, just in general a a, a atara. A cloth atara. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I want to clarify for everybody. Yeah. Right. Um, and a silver atara is also here, but. Uh, um, but I, I don't. I don't think the Shlom mentions particularly they should be made out of silver. I, th I think his idea is, is, is it's sewn on, it's it's embroidered, uh, embroidered or, or something like that. Um, so I think you know when he went into the show, when he went into the Pinka show, you could see who's who's with whom here, 
right? Who's following Tosus uh, Yontov and who's following the Shla? And they've picked sides uh, in this again in, in this community, which is which is which is factionalized. It's 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 a community where 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 the, where, where the leadership group hates one another. I mean, it's very personal. They 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 have a personal dislike of, of one another. Um, one thing that I've worked on. I'm not even waiting for this for the question here. Um, uh, one thing that I've, I've worked on since since the book, though. Is is legends about Heller? There, there, there are a bunch of legends. If you go to if you go to Krakow where he's buried, go to go to the caver. Uh, the tour guides there will, will you know will tell you legends about uh, about the Tosfosiotov. There are a number of legends. Um, and uh, there's one which nobody tells anymore, but it's uh, but 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 it's recorded. There there was a a character, Rav. Uh, named Pinchas Katzen-Ellenbogen from the Katzen-Ellenbogen family. Um, you might know Katzen-Ellenbogens, I don't know, they're family around. Um, Pinchas Katzen-Ellenbogen wrote a, mm, a journal, would you call it, or a notebook, a sort of a notebook. He kept notes uh, on, on different kinds of things, some halachic things, some, some chidushim, some family stuff. Um, and he also uh, writes down a, a story that he heard when he was a yeshiva student in Prague. He was a yeshiva student in Prague in 1709, I think. Uh, so this is, this is like 50 years after the Tosfosiotov died, and it's like 70 years after he had to leave town um, before he was, you know, as part of his arrest and all of that story that, that, that he, he was kicked out of the rabbinate. And the story that he tells is that, uh, that the rabbi before the Tosfos Yotav, the chief rabbi before the Tosfos Yotav, after the Shla, before the Tosfos Yotav, the Shla, the Shla was a wonderful person, right? Um, I, I have to say, again, you know, Shla was, 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 was really an extraordinary neshama. Um, and one of the ways he was extraordinary was that he went to Eretz Yisrael, um, which was, a dangerous and uh, and life-changing thing to do. Um, so he leaves in it's in the middle of the war. The the the, the, the uh, it's a few years into the Thirty Years' War. He leaves and uh, and briefly they, they the the community appoints a rabbi named Moshe Mendel's uh, lesser-known figure today. <laughs> At the time, probably you know fairly well known because there he is, the chief rabbi of Prague. Um, Anyway, he didn't last very long in the job, Moshe Mendels. And 70 years later, his family is telling this story. But why did he lose the job? He lost the job because, because again, because of politics, because, uh, because there are these two factions. And one of the factions is headed by a character named Yaakov Basevi. Yaakov Basevi, and again, this part is not legend, this part is true. Uh, Yaakov Basevi was the leader of the Jewish community at the time. Uh, he was the wealthiest Jew in Prague. He was certainly the wealthiest Jew in Europe. He was one of the wealthiest human beings in the world um, at the time. Terrible human being, um, if I say so myself. I mean, you know, how do I know, right? But uh, I'm terrible. You know, it's hard to know with, with, with these kind of people. Um, he's like George Soros. 
Um, so in what, in what ways he liked George Soros? George Soros, as you might possibly know, before he became you know, the, 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 the enemy of all the anti-Semites in the world, um, and, and the, the, the heir of the Rothschilds and all this, um, George Soros uh, once uh, ruined the economy of Malaysia by, uh, by, by, a, uh, um, by shorting their, uh, their currency. Um, and he was just making some money. But the people in Malaysia didn't actually see it that way because their economy went into the tubes for, went down the tubes for, for like a year or two, also in Indonesia, um, which was next door. So Basavi is like that. Basavi caused a, an inflation uh, throughout Germany um, and, and people just lost their shirts um, because the money was worthless. Um, not a, you know, so, Anyway, that's about seven. He's running the Jewish community. He's, he's, he's you know, a, a controversial figure, should we say? I don't know. I don't know how to describe that. Um, and and this is the story that, that the Moshe Mendel's family are telling. He kicked out Moshe Mendel's. He got the, uh, the emperor to, to, to intervene, and the emperor said, no, Moshe Mendel's can't be the rabbi in, in Prague anymore. Uh, at this point, I think we're very much in the realm of legend. I don't actually think this happened. Um, but I think that the, the, what did happen, perhaps, was, was that, again, that there were these two factions within the community. Um, and here's the legend. The legend is that Moshe Mendels went into the Altneuschul on his last day in Prague. And he davened, and it was, uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was Arab Shabbos. And he davened, and he said, one of the capital of Tilim. And he said it with such kavana. That, uh, that two things happened. One is that he was whisked to the town of Poznan, Poznan uh, in Poland, where he was later the rabbi, um, by Kvitsa Taderach, magically. And the other thing that happened was that his enemies were, were, were punished for what they had done to him. And his, who were his enemies? One was, was Basevi, who was uh, later uh, imprisoned, and he, and he died in prison. Um, he lost favor in the emperor's uh, um, party, um, and and he 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 had been again you know the the, uh, the leader of the community, and then he was he was just nobody, and his family also was ruined. And the other is the Tosfos Yantov. Right? Why did the Tosfos Yantov get arrested? Right? In, in this version of things, it's not because of of, of politics. It's not because of. Uh, of, of anything except this, this, uh, this rabbi going into the Atmoshul and davening with Shashkabah. Um, so it, it's, again, it, it's, there's politics here and there's, and there's legend. It's, 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 it's a funny mix. It's all mixed together. Is this, did you, yeah. is this story in the book? I'm sorry? This legend in your book that you wrote? No, when I wrote the book, I didn't know the story. Uh, gotcha. Um, I didn't see it in there. Um, so I wanted to go back to, um, first of all, going back a long while back, I don't know if you mentioned that we <laughs> mentioned Kliyakar was a Darshan. I don't know if we mentioned his Sefer of Drushas, Illus Ephraim. Today, I think his Kliyakar is more famous, but that's his Drushas. Um, so the the example, the like you said, was more uh, philosophically, rationalistically inclined. So I think we should mention the first uh, work that he wrote was actually something on uh, Jewish philosophy and that kind of thing. It was uh, a Pirish on uh, Bechinus Oilam. So if you want to talk about that a little bit, how old it was he wrote it and what he wrote there. Yeah, there was a sort of a shita 
um, among among some rabbis in, in, in that generation, the previous generation, um, that first you would write, or, or that sometime during your life, I shouldn't say first, sometime during your life you would write something that was about philosophy or science, sometime during your life you would write something that was about uh, Kabbalah, and sometime again in your life you would write something that was about mm, you know, Talmud or, or Psakbin or something like this. Right, those three things. Um, philosophy, Kabbalah, Talmud. And then you would be a, it would be a Chacham Kolel, you would be a, an Ish Eshkolot, you would know all of the things that are worth knowing in Judaism, those were the three things. Um, so he starts out, yeah, and he writes a, a commentary to Bukhinat Olam, Bukhinat Olam, um, which was a short and popular um, poem of a rationalistic type. It's, it's about, uh, well, it has, has, it has different parts, but it, it's, it's about how things in life are changing and mutable, and you should hang on to what's immutable and eternal, which is Torah. Um, and then at the end, it has a defense of Rambam specifically. <laughs> um, why Rambam is right and why his opponents are wrong. Um, so he liked it. And, 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 and it's, had, it's had a career in, 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 in Jewish life. It was written in the 1200s. Uh, one of the Yiva autobiographies. I don't know if you know about this. Uh, in, in the 1930s, uh, Yivo in, 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 uh, in Vilna ran a, uh, uh, not exactly a contest, but a, uh, a, a, a project uh, for people to, for young people to write their autobiographies and send them uh, to Yivo and Yivo would, would collect them and, and, and do something with them. Then, then came the Shoah um, and the autobiographies you know, kind of just sat there uh, until they were resurrected uh, many years later. So, so for example, one of the, one of the boys there is, is the, a Shivabachar and he's studying Khinas Olam um, uh, just to, you know, to, to improve himself in life. Um, so yeah, so so Tosfos Yantuf writes a writes a short commentary on on that. It's uh, it's anonymous because um, he's because it's a little bit chutzpah for him to to publish something at age eighteen, honestly. Um, that seems to be the thought. Although possibly, honestly, the other possible thought I don't I forget if I wrote this in the book um, is the other person who publishes things not under his name, and it's. You know, for for an eighteen-year-old, it's nothing. But 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 uh, for a for a grown scholar, it's very extraordinary. Uh, was um, uh, was Maharal? Maharal wrote, published some of his stuff anonymously, um, which you know, again, for for a scholar of his stature at the time was was very. Maharal was, was a genuinely humble person, um, seemingly uh, just self-effacing. Um, didn't doesn't want people to fuss over him. Doesn't necessarily think very much of himself. Is, is unsure of himself, and perhaps in certain kinds of ways. Um, Heller is the opposite. Um, Heller is tremendously sure of himself, and uh, and the opposite of self-effacing. He writes an autobiography. Uh, right, he's he's self-publicizing. Um, but at the beginning, yeah, the, the, this book he he, uh, he he published 
And honestly, then the next thing uh, it was a, a commentary on Bachi's commentary on the Torah, uh, Bachi, Bachi ben Asher, um, which is sort of Kabbalistic and, and uh, only part of which actually survives and it was published uh, not so long ago. Um, and then, um, and and then 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 he writes the the Tosfos Yontif, right? He's about he's he's in his thirties when he writes the Tosfos Yontif. Starts when he's about thirty-five. And I think I think your book has a list of all his works, if I'm correct, right? Uh, I think yes. Yeah, so that that says people can uh, refer to. Um, so so I think we touched on all of it in the beginning, but I guess to go f- come full circle here, and Nicholas Avery talks about his arrest, and we already mentioned that he goes to jail, etc. So the basic story we said. So at that point, uh, once he, I guess I'll just fill in, you know, quickly. He let out of jail, and he was exiled to the Prague, and he left, and like you said, he ended up Nemerov, and he ended up in Krakow, chief rabbi. So. Um, the interesting thing is, um, because of that, he, like you, you alluded to, his descendants have this uh, fast and this yomtev every day. That's be, you know, that's because of he. That's because of this arrest and getting out of jail, right? Right. He he sets it up as a. I mean, here we are at the Thanksgiving day. He sets it up as a sort of a Thanksgiving ceremony. Um, this is a you know a popular 1600 things to do. The pilgrims did it, and 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 the uh, Jews also did it, and Heller did it. Uh, that his descendants should uh, should each year celebrate that he his miraculous release from uh, from prison, and I think he did regard it as a miracle, um, right, as, a, as a real nice um, uh, each year. Um, so something else uh, I think that we should touch on is that they said Tachvatat uh, in 1648, 49, he was in Krakow. He was obviously there. So afterwards, we jump to that. Uh, Tachvatat uh, actually did a podcast with Adam Teller and his book on a uh, recent book on Tachvatat. Um, his, so he, at that point, he, uh, he institutes something that he's very famous for today. There's been a big uh, resurgence in this. Uh, to he, First of all, I'll let, I'll let you talk about, first of all, the... Uh, Piot that he wrote about it, and also he has this Misha Beirach on not talking in shul. This has been everyone, all the shuls now, a lot of shuls are saying this again. This is like a re thing now, yeah. This shuls, I didn't know that at all. Uh, is, I want to just yeah, say it every week, and it's been that's, a whole that's, that's, that's very nice, that's that's genuinely very nice. I like that. Um, yeah, he uh, he 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 the the uh, the community leaned on him to write a Piot, he had, he had already. He'd already written a number of Putin. Um, he wrote one, probably on his own accord. I don't think anybody leaned on him to do this, but I, I, th- I think he jumped to do it. Um, uh, in 1620, uh, in, in Prague, uh, in 1620, there was a big battle in Prague, which they still remember these days. You know, if you ever go there, Battle of White Mountain, big event in, in European history and Prague history. Um, and the Jews, you know, if, whenever there's a battle in town, Jews are nervous people, and they think that the, the soldiers are going to come and, and you know, and, and loot the houses and rape the women. Um, and, uh, and they didn't. Soldiers were very well behaved, relative to the Jews, I mean. Uh, they didn't touch the Jews at all. Jews, bad stuff happened to all those kinds of people in Prague, and, and it's memorialized in different ways if you go around town there today. Anyway, he wrote uh, Piotim to celebrate, again, what he saw as, as a nace, right, that they were saved. 
right, that, that there was a battle, and yet they didn't, they didn't do anything to the Jews. Um, so, uh, so the so the community comes to them in 1640. That said, you know, you know how to write Putin. We've seen, right? We saw that you did this. Uh, could you write a Put for for Tachtat for the for the, for the massacres? Uh, and he does. Um, and he tells the story, and 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 he repeats uh, stories that are in the in the chronicles, um, uh, and and he tells the, the the whole story of of, of Tachtat. And of course, he had been rabbi in Nemirov. Nemirov was one of the first communities that was destroyed in Tachtat. It was, it was, it was, um, um, it was possibly the first major community that was destroyed. So, so he felt it very personally, I should think. Um, you know, he knew the victims and all that. Um, and then also he, um, he instituted uh, a new rule, a takana. Um, so this is another thing that you learned from Maharal. I'll take a minute with this. Um, Maharal has a very strong notion of what a Rav should do, what a Rav should be like. Because um, there are plenty of Rebbeim, certainly then, probably now, um, who say, you know, my job is, I, I, you know, I work in yeshiva and, and, and I teach Gemara. And somebody comes to me once in a while for a psak and I give psak and I'm done. That's all I have to do. That's, that's my job, right? I, I teach Gemara and I give Pesach. Um, and in his day also, that, that there are many rabbis in the professional rabbinate who, who, who thought that that was pretty much their role. Um, and Maharal takes a much, much wider sense of, of what it means to be a rab. You have to be, uh, you have to be a spiritual leader for the community, which goes beyond teaching Gemara to, to teenagers and it goes beyond just giving Pesach. Um, Right. And, 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 and when you preach, you don't just, you know, do not, you don't just make it like a chiddush or a pilpul, right? You, you should be preaching in a way that's going to touch people's souls. It's almost kind of like a rebel, like a Hasidic rebel. Um, and, uh, and, and also that uh, the takana are, are, are a thing that the community should be making rules. It should, should not just be enforcing the rules of how you say musaf and, and, and you know, whether a, uh, a, 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 a sukkah has, you know, has enough walls. Um, sometimes you have to make new rules. So one thing that, uh, that bothered Maharal and it's bothered many, many rabbis, since I don't know when, and and to the present and present day, and uh, and the Christians have made fun of it for at least a thousand years, um, is how much Jews talk in shul. Right? Jews have been talking in shul since forever. It's it's it's, it's strange, um, um, and they cannot they can't be stopped, but. Uh, but Maharal and, and or, or, or I'm sorry, but Heller thought that he he had a, a good approach. There were different approaches in his time. There were some some places where they would uh, where they would fine you money, right? If the if the gabai caught you talking, then you had to pay a fine. So uh, that probably cut down on it somewhat. Um, he didn't want to do that. He what he wanted to do is a, in, in much more positive vein was to say mishaberach for people who don't talk. Um, also, it occurs to me, I didn't say this in the book, but it does occur to me uh, that if you're concerned about women talking during shul, 
then the idea of having the gabai go and, and put fines doesn't work. Right? The gabai is not going to go into the women's section and, and, and fine Mrs. Basevi for talking to, to her niece. Not going to happen. Yeah, although I imagine that the issue was it's just knowing from today that men, they were worried about, you know, every, every tefillah. So what's, what's, what's interesting was, um, did, so he institutes this. This is after Tachpatat. So does that mean, I mean, the legend has it, everyone, oh, that, he says that is why uh, Tachpatat occurred. As you say in the book, that's not necessarily the case, right? No, that, that, I, I don't think he thought that at all. Um, in the same way that, uh, I mean, I mentioned that he was, he, was once in, he was once the rabbi of Vienna, and while he was there, there was a plague. Loalinu, um, as they say. Um, and uh, and they were, they were, they, there was a lockdown. After the lockdown, he preaches a, uh, a, a sermon, and he also makes a takana there. And he, the sermon is about, is about the takana, sermon on, on Chayasar. It's, it's, it's very nice. It's very worth reading. Um, it's a beautiful sermon um, about Eliezer and, and Rivka. Um, and the punchline is that when something good happens to you, you should make a takana. And when something bad happens to you, you should also make a takana. You should, you should change something in public life. You should make some kind of gesture. You should eat turkey, you know, um, so to speak. Um, right? This shows that, you're, that, that, that something is happening that, 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 that matters to you. Um, each year you should do this. So, yeah, so in, in, uh, in, in, in Vienna, he made the rule that they would read um, a, a Musser book called Urchot Chaim. Um, and that they would uh, divide it into pieces and they would read a little bit before uh, before Pesukadizimra each day. I'm sure he didn't think that the plague happened because they weren't reading Orchot Chaim each day. I mean, you know, this is, that's, that's silly. Um, but it's a way of responding to it, right? It's a way of saying the things that happen, happen for a reason and they matter and, and we should respond to them by trying to make the community better. Uh, and similarly here, I'm, I'm sure he didn't think that, 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 that the reason that, that thousands of people had been killed was because they were, they were talking in shul, I mean, really. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a nice legend, actually. I don't think it's true, but, it, but, it's, but it's a lovely legend. Um, that he asked the She'elat Chalon. Uh, that he didn't know what to do, and 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 he, he that, that this is a thing where you you know, you you you, you, uh, you pose a question and, and then you go to sleep and, and the answer comes in your dream, uh, and that this has happened to him. I, could, you know, I don't know whether it's true, but it, but 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 it's nice that, that 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 seems to be quite conceivable. But the idea that that he had discerned somehow that this was the cause of it. Now the thing that he thought was the cause uh, was that. Uh, that, it, that it happened during an, uh, an interregnum. There, there, the, the one king had died and it was before the other king had, uh, ha- had been appointed. And so there was kind of a, a chaotic sort of lame duck period, uh, so to speak, uh, in, in Poland. Um, and anything can happen during the lame duck, right? Um, or, or, or put it differently, in America, we try to make sure that there isn't a time when there is no president, when there's zero presidents. Um, but in Poland, there was a time when there was zero kings. And that's very dangerous. Uh, and, and, and he blamed it on, on that situation. When there's no king, then anything can happen. 
Interesting. So I, like I said, there, there's now this, this uh, been going on for a few years, this campaign, Stop the Talking in Shul, and uh, it's going around, all the newspapers have it, and, and one of the things that they do say, a lot of shuls say that it's Yemtif's Mishaberach now, um, every week on Shabbos after, after laning, they will uh, say it's Mishaberach, which is, which is nice, like you said. So, I mean, that's more or less, uh, more or less, there's a lot more on Yemtif that we haven't gotten to, but obviously they can, uh, people can read your book, and as well as Miguel Seva, his autobiography. So, um, just take us to, to finish up. Um, any current research projects or other uh, works that you uh, have published or worked on that you wanted to mention? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I published a uh, uh, a new book uh, just this last spring, and, and if, you, if you look on the internet, you can you can find it. Um, it's a uh, uh, it, it's a a text from the. 1500s by a, a figure who is completely, completely unknown. He's not even in, he's not in the Wikipedia. He's not in, I should put him up in the Wikipedia. I don't know why I don't. Um, he is not in the Encyclopedia Judaica, a man named Eliezer Eilberg, um, who, who is an interesting figure. I'm talking about a, you know, somebody who's, who's, in, who's a follower of the Rambam or rationalist. He's, uh, he, he's very much of a Rambamite and very much a rationalist. But but ad but 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 to the degree of the, 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 he's, an, he's 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 a complete up course. Um, um, so you know goes way way beyond Rambam in in, in terms of up courses. Um, so that was fun. Um, and you published now because the book is you published the Hebrew text and the English. Yeah, also, there, there, yeah, yeah, right? it's 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 as, as you say, uh, it's a Hebrew text. He wrote in, Alberg wrote in Hebrew and I translated it into English and there's a Hebrew commentary, which I wrote and an English commentary. Um, uh, and the translation was done. I did it together with a, uh, uh, with, with, with another scholar, Magdalena Yanushakova. Um, there's a new generation. I, I, I'll, I'll say this just, just to say a, a word about, about Magdalena. Uh, there's a new generation of scholars coming up in Europe um, who are not Jewish have no Jewish connection in their family um, and who came into Jewish studies just out of curiosity and out of academic interest um, and they're doing amazing work. I was in Prague in the spring. Uh, they're doing amazing work there um, and Magdalena is, is, is one of these. Um, so we translated it together and, and, uh, and there's a commentary and there are two works. One, one is this uh, 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 the skeptical work, which is called Esoshe Love, and the other part is also an autobiography. Uh, Eilberg also uh, tells the story of his life, which is uh, which is which is, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, no, that's 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 my most recent book, and and then if I if I have the schus, I will eventually write a book called Fifty Ways to Read the Bible, but uh, so far we're not very far along at that. Interesting. Okay, so like I said, people, I'll, I'll, I'll link, I'll include the links to your books uh, you. in, the, in the podcast notes. People can check them both out. And um, actually, I should probably say this, because I, 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 I subscribe to emails from Oxford University Press, who distributes Litman in the U.S. They're having a winter sale of 30% off. So I do believe your book should be eligible for that. Uh, people, whenever they'll hear this, if they, I don't know, people may hear this way after uh, now, but if December for the next little while, it will, I think, be on sale. So... Um, you know, it's paper well, I'll have to buy a new copy then. <laughs> I don't think it's terribly expensive, anyways. Uh, yours, I think it's uh, quite affordable. I remember when I bought my copy. Um, so, uh, anyways, uh, thank you very much for joining thank me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
It's been a pleasure. Okay, thank you.